Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Father, I thank you for, again, this opportunity to to share some of the precious things that you've been showing me over the past few months. Um, I do thank you for the grace and favor and the anointingness of my life, Father, that you have called me into this opportunity, Father God, for a time such as this. And that this wonderful congregation has also been called to live in this new song. Um, Give me the wisdom, Father, to break down things which may sound abstract um, and coded in prophetic language. But I thank you that your Holy Spirit will be able to translate everything into the hearts of those that are listening. Let's say, I do give you all the praise. Jesus, do be glorified. Do be glorified. Be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So yeah, so last week we um, we were just looking at living in the new song. Uh, for those that weren't here, in January we had uh, Ray Hughes come down and he spoke about how the church was moving into what he called a new year. Um, and he referenced it in the sense of it being a new song. Okay, and um, the thing that I realized, especially from the feedback that I got after last week, for which I'm greatly um, thankful for, <laughs> is that we all have moved into this new song. It's not the case of, okay, you're having vision, so you must be in, and nothing happened with you yet, so you must be out, as it were. Um, collectively, as a church, we have all stepped into this this new expression of, of Jesus in our lives and through our lives. And by me sharing, it's not to say um, this is the only expression, and we'll look at this a little bit later. There are many different things and many different people who need to hear um, and receive from this expression of faith that we are now starting to learn and starting to get to grips with. Um, and as a result, that's the reason why I'm excited to see as I'm sharing what you guys receive and like I said last week there's some great feedback uh, and Cynthia mentioned that as I was speaking she was getting cake ideas um, now if you know Cynthia's cakes are already really good um, <laughs> so I'm excited to see what the glory cakes taste like uh, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we could do some tasting sessions if you want uh, chosen um, so yeah, but that, that is exactly what it's all about, guys. It is about your own expression of creativity um, being downloaded, even as the word is going forth. Um, this is probably the easiest and hardest pulpit to stand in. I've st- stood in a few. But after worship like that this morning, jeez. It's a different spin when you know you've got to come and speak after it. <laughs> So, you know, I've enjoyed the worship before multiple times, not all, some, most of the time I'm here playing. But to, to listen and to witness you guys just worshiping with such abandon and freedom. You know, I was at the back, I was just helping out with the sound. 
And that's the best seat in the house, by the way, guys. So if you want to volunteer to help out with the sound. Um... <laughs> it is the best seat, I'll tell you. So you guys are missing out. You're sitting in the middle and you're missing out on half of the worship. No, um, just sitting there and watching everyone just going for it in their own way. Some were spinning, some were drawing things in the air. Others were standing still and contemplating. Um, and then obviously what was happening at the front was incredible. Um, and it truly does encourage myself um, as worship pastor to, to see different people engaging um, front to back. Um, so yeah, so we looked at what the, the beginnings of what life living in this new song is all about. And this week as I was going back over my notes and just figuring out what to share today. I wanted to, to find a practical route for, for this change in my life. Um, it's great that I have these encounters. It's great that he comes and meets me in these powerful ways and these visions that I've been having, these prophetic words I've been receiving and the healings we've been seeing. That's just great. But on a practical note, I was like, Lord, where, what's the route here? What, what really happened? And to, to my surprise and also great comfort, the first thing I realized is that this, what I call, remember, I call it a lifestyle of encounter. It's not a season, because a season would imply that it ends. Um, it's a lifestyle. So this lifestyle of encounter, it began um, away from my gifting. Now, for me, that's, that's maybe a personal thing, because... For 15 years of my life, I'd always found God in the area of my gifting. So I knew how to play and to worship in my room to such an extent that the presence of God would start to fill the room and then we would have the conversation from there. Or there'd be uh, worship experiences here on a Sunday which would propel me into a week of discovery, etc., etc. But to realize that I'd learned how to find him outside of my gifting was quite heartwarming. And where the thing that had to change, and I can be honest with you guys, is in my prayer life. Okay? So I heard one of the preachers I listened to a lot, Damon Thompson, um, who's currently leading a revival out in uh, Saludan, North Carolina. Um, he talked about prayer being a three-strand uh, three core that's not easily broken. So you spoke about that closet prayer, you know, that time that you spend in the morning with God or it might be in the evening when you take yourself away from everyone else, turn off all distractions and you're just pursuing him. He's pursuing you. You're having those conversations, those, the depths when he begins to reveal things to you. So spoke about closet prayer. You spoke about the corporate prayer, you know, in, in church or maybe in groups or in your marriages, husband and wife. And then you spoke about contemplative prayer. You know, through the day as, as you're just having those conversations with God at work, um, when you're driving. Um, there's different spots where you know you can just have those conversations and that state of your heart where you are always open for communication. I usually liken it to a WhatsApp conversation uh, in the sense that I don't really delete my conversations, um, which means I have too many. <laughs> but as... At any given point, someone can message me and we're back in that conversation. And it's not a mark on our relationship that we haven't spoken for many a few hours, but the, the line is still open. 
And so in terms of con- contemplative prayer, I, was, I felt like I was doing all right. You know, I would be at work and we'd be talking about different things and people would talk to me, I'd get different words and I knew that the, the lines were open. Corporate prayer? Yeah. I was, yeah, I was confident. I felt like, you know, in, in a scenario like this, I could pray for Bethel, I could pray for someone else in the group scenario. And there'd be many times at like different events when God would give me a word and, and I'd share it amongst the group and we'd pray. I felt quite strong in that respect. But what I realized that what needed to be restored was the closet prayer. Okay, and essentially the closet door was open, the roof had been blown off. And there had been seasons in my life beforehand when I would go into this deep uh, daily just prayer and the closet was, was my, my refuge. But if I look back, it was usually when things were going wrong. Or when I needed something from him. And so my comfort in my prayer life wasn't found in that closet. However, I had a great example when I was growing up. My dad, um, and I said this to him when I got married, I remember seeing him daily just taking himself whatever o'clock in the morning and praying. And that example came back to me. And I remember speaking to Denise about how I would now shift my life, my timetable around to facilitate the restoration of my closet. And so when that happened on December 23rd, 2017, like I mentioned last year, last week, sorry, uh, when, that, when that happened on that date, and I began that process of saying, like, Lord, intentionally now, I'm going to build this place for you. And like I said last week, he said to me, enjoy my pursuit. And so for many weeks in that closet, I wasn't saying much. He was just showing me how much he loved me. He was showing me different scriptures. He was tuning my ears to hear him in you know, the small, silent whisper, as it were. And I then moved from having no closet to now a position of discipline. So now there's a bit more discipline in my walk. You know, this time on these days, I'm meeting with Jesus. And that was great. The discipline then moved into desire. So now I'm praying, not just because I have to, and I know I have to, but because I I actually want to. And then the final iteration of this was the shift into delight. When I went from praying because I know I have to, because I'm a Christian, that's what we do, to praying because I wanted to, to because I loved to. If I tell you, this is what has rocked me and undergirded everything I've seen. So it doesn't matter how abstract and how fanciful some of these visions might get. There, was, there, were, there were mornings where I would literally run down my stairs. And I've got an alarm on my phone for these prayer times and the note, the name of my alarm is come see a man. You know, from John 4, the, the story with the woman at the well. And she ran back to Samaria and said, come see a man. That's what I know. So every time it goes off and I see that alarm, it says, come see a man. And I'd run down the stairs to meet with Jesus. And there was a delight. And I can assure you that those of us that begin to move from discipline to desire to delight will then become dreamers. 
that's where the cake ideas come from. That's where the song ideas come from. That's when the play ideas come from. That's where the books come from. It's where you are offering in a place of delight in your communion with God that he then begins to impregnate your dreams. He begins to impregnate your spirit with ideas, with um, solutions that may seem at the time quite abstract, like I said, or they may seem to be to the left. And you're like, what? Really? Go where? But the sensitivity of your heart begin to tune itself to the frequency of heaven. And whatever expression you have in the, in the canopy of this new song, as it's been sung over us by heaven, uh, you will find it, you'll find your expression when you, desire, when you decide to move into a position of delight with God. Um, and that for me was the practical steps that I had to take over time to get to where I'm at now and beyond. So as a recap of what we looked at last week, for those who weren't here, um, we looked at how our songs that we sing in church and the ones that we've written over the past 10 years or so have been recorded in heaven. And so I had a vision of me and the father, we were in this open plane and he pointed me to the stars in the sky and he's, he mentioned how that was our songs being placed and how they're so precious to him. We also looked at how the angels are on hand to sing with us. Um, if you remember back in February, we, um, we were worshiping one time and, and I heard the orchestra of heaven playing behind us. Um, it wasn't just me, a few others as well heard this sound above our worship. Um, and it was a great encouragement to me to know that this was happening. We then looked at how this building that we are believing God for um, is bigger than us. And that's okay. Um, we looked at how one Marlebone, the history of one Marlebone, how it was built by the government to celebrate a victory. The, the Battle of Waterloo, when they won that victory, they set aside a million pounds. Imagine how much money that was. This is 200 years ago. Um, they set aside money um, to build these churches, which are now known as the Waterloo churches. And Sir John Sloan, um, who designed the Bank of England, he was the one who designed one Marlebone. So for however long we've been worshipping in a building that was bigger than the congregation that was inside it, that had been provided for by money from an external source. Now, that could be our story, but I think the key is not so much to look, okay, where's the money coming from? Has the government passed a bill recently that is going to give this influx of money to religious organizations or whatever? I think the key is to notice that even if this thing may be bigger than us, that's okay. Because as we heard earlier, this is a house of abundance. And the final thing we looked at is the, the guardians of power. That's how I put it in my notes. Um, how Psalms 89, 24 speaks about us being exalted and how God will give us great power. But before that, he speaks about his loving kindness, his mercy, and his faithfulness being on hand. And the vision that I had at the time was of these massive angelic beings named faithfulness, loving kindness, and mercy. And as I felt the power of God, I realized that even, even though I fear, oh, I was fearing at the time that I would fail him with this great power, that the power of God will never exceed the boundary lines of his love because of these guardians.
okay? When, and like I gave the example, you heal, when we're healing the sick, and it's an example of his faithfulness, because that healing is rooted in the promise. It's an example of his mercy, because he's using us, and we're not perfect. And it's an example of his loving kindness and his goodness, which is what we know leads God, leads people to repentance. And so, like I said, I, I realized that I'd found him outside my gifting. And I was encouraged to realize that devotion for me could exist outside of music. Discipline could exist outside of music. Delight could exist outside of music. And this is the beginning of his rewiring of some of my identity um, questions that I didn't even know I had until I stepped into his presence. And so he, he reminded me this week of something that I actually saw back in March 25th last year. So this is a few months before I then get propelled into this lifestyle of continuous revelations and visions and stuff. And it was the week after Bobby had uh, taught on like abiding in the word. And I remember speaking to her at the end and I said that she had convicted me because the experiences that she was detailing reminded me of what I used to go through when I was at university with the scripture and I used to read and the scripture would just come alive. And to a certain point, it made me jealous because she was experiencing these things and I realized that I hadn't in a little while. And so the following Thursday, I think it was, March 25th, I was listening to a sermon and the father took me to Genesis 1. Could you put Genesis 1-1 up for just a moment, please? Right, so for a moment, we're just going to step into Bible school for a moment. Um, I say that because I'm an academic at heart. Um, and God often speaks to me from the position of academics first, and then we go into the imagination after. So, right, so, those first four words, in the beginning, God. If the sentence ended there, this is what Bible scholars call an ontological statement. Okay, and this is a statement of being. As soon as you add that word created or prepared, formed, fashioned, the statement goes from being ontological, a statement of being, to being teleological, a statement of doing. And what the Father showed me was that creativity, so what he said, heaven's creativity is yours to the extent you walk in the identity I paid for. Because even with God, his identity, his being, came before the doing. As you can imagine, as a creative, I was rocked. I haven't come out of Genesis 1 since. Um, let's go to 26. Uh, sorry, Genesis 1, 26, yeah. So God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame beasts, and over all of the earth and over everything that creeps upon the earth. Again, even when we are introduced to the narrative, what comes first? The identity before the doing. Okay? 
So I'm there now reassessing everything I'd ever known about creativity. Because before, I used to define creativity as a gift that was outside of me. And so even in my prayer, I would, I would pray as if I'm here, creativity's here, uh, Sunday service is about to start, and I now must do this before I can now do this. And what God started to show me is that creativity is not a gift. Creativity is. And to the extent you walk in my identity and the identity I gave you, that you are made in the image of he himself who is creativity, then you will see true creativity flow. As I meditated on this for months after months after months, it got to a point, I've been in the studio and an artist would come in and they would say to me, I would say, okay, what song are we, you know, what do you want to work on today? Oh man, I, I, I don't know, D. What are you feeling? Um, well, you're paying me, so. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you working? Oh, it's your album, what do you want to do? Oh man, I don't know. Oh no. And the Holy Spirit would say something like F sharp. So I'll turn the keyboard on and start to play in a certain key in F sharp. Yeah, man, that's nice. I like that. Ah. Oh, yeah, carry on, carry on. Can we record that? Yo, yo, yo. And all this excitement would start to buzz over this key. I'm just I'm just messing around with some chords. And then I'd hear them start getting these melodies and these ideas. And all of a sudden, within an hour, two hours, three hours, a song has been created. And they would often say to me, how did you know to like play that? And I had to be honest with them. Oh, that was God. Most of them are Christians. There's a significant number that are not. And they would always talk about this feeling they got when I would play. Some of them had, been, uh, had attended churches when they were younger, it reminds me of my grandma's church. It reminds me of this. And all of a sudden, this truth that I had embedded in my heart, that if I walk in the identity he's given me, I can now create. I don't have to pursue creativity. I just literally just create. Okay? Let me give you an example. Um, Bobby, water. What do you think of when I say the word water? Sponge. Who else thought of a sponge? What did you think of? Someone thought of rain? So God? Wow. Water, water, water. (laughs) If it was that easy. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Yes. Sorry, someone else. Fish. Okay. So we've had about four, five, six, seven, a hundred different expressions of one word. Okay? Before I said the word water, were you thinking of a sponge? No. I created that image in your head, didn't I? By the word water. Yeah. But before I was saying it, you didn't think of a sponge. You were thinking of God, I hope so. In the beginning, God created. How did he create? What did he use? Words. 
he spoke out of his being and all of a sudden things appeared. Word creates thought. We see this in Hebrews 11.3. By faith we understand that the world was formed, fashioned, equipped for its intended purpose by the word of God. So that we know that the things which are seen are made by things which are not seen. It's a theme that strings all the way through the scriptures. Okay? I think it's Hebrews 11.3. Okay. <laughs> I just realized it's my brother on the, um, <laughs> on, the de- on the projector. He's very quick. And so when I was thinking about this week, God said that our church had been gifted a new song that releases a dimension of Eden-type intimate encounter. Each of us carry different expressions, which when put together, produce a resonance which is irresistible to all those who hear it. To walk in it, we must make it our priority to align ourselves with the new man birthed within us, and the doing will follow the being. Father, we do just take a moment just to just sit on that. And we do thank you that you'll begin to open up the revelation you have in your scripture about who we are in Christ. And we, choose, we do actually like choose to align ourselves with the fact that as he is, so are we in this world. We don't need to cast off the promises of God into a dimension upon which we have no control. We don't need to put it into the future and make it some far, far away promise that we sing about when we talk about the sweet by and by. No, this is for us now. This promise, these promises which are yes and amen in Christ Jesus are for us now. And by faith, we will equip and fashion and equip for its intended purpose our world by the word of God. For Father, we do create. In Jesus' name, amen. And so... At some point during the year, Pastor begins to speak about the language and, and what we're speaking. We talk about Earthbound, Earthbound series it's on the podcast. If you haven't heard it, go check it out. Um, even if you have heard it, go check it out. And I remember at some point, I think it was going into June. Yeah, I think it was going into June. Um, God spoke to me about this one tongue. Because it's important to understand, and we can study this through history, that every single quote-unquote revival or encounter, whether it be Azusa Street, the Welsh, the Welsh Revival, um, even Toronto, uh, revival and encounter always breeds community. Okay? And more than just community, it also breeds teaching. And the expressions of God's goodness that last and can be passed on from generation to generation are the ones that are successfully taught to those that are coming up. But to be able to teach and communicate from one to another, we must share the same tongue. And so it was very important that pastor began to preach that um, and to share those thoughts. And this is what the father said to me um, at the turning of, of one of the months when pastor was preaching. He said, the new month brings with it a window of harvest. Until now, there has been an alignment, first of spirit, vision, and finally of tongue. I've heard your prayers and your conversations, and I'm ready to prove myself mighty according to the words you have spoken about me. The month of Pentecost, the month of Shavuot, celebrates the revealing of my word in the old and the revealing of my spirit in the new. And this is the perfect marriage, word and spirit. So now be expectant. You have made yourself of one accord and of one tongue so that I may cause you to be of many tongues 
to the watching world. Some will speak the financial tongue, testifying of my provision and wisdom and releasing harvest into the lives of others. Some will speak the healing tongue, testifying of my grace and the soothing balm of my presence. There are many tongues that I will begin to release as you rise up into the maturity of my power and authority. I am your father and yes, I am in heaven. My kingdom has come and my will is being done on earth even as it is in heaven. Amen, let it be so. So the thing is guys, with in a world which is increasingly being defined by isolation, okay, if you look at social media, it's me and my world and then I get to pick what I like and if I don't like it, I block, delete, I move. In a world where we see the rise of depression and mental health issues and, and all these things that are linked back to this sense of loneliness which is trying to pervade itself in our generation, if we were to find a body of believers who would unify, do you know how much of a sign and a wonder we would be? And this is the reality of this one tongue. Okay, when I speak the same language as you, and you speak the same language as the person next to you and the person on the other side of the church, it doesn't matter whether you're a songwriter, uh, whether you bake cakes, um, or you're a lawyer, there'll be something irresistible to all those who hear it. You look back to Pentecost, Acts 1, 2, and 3, when the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit came in, when they were of one accord, remember it happened after the unity, um, there was a sound heard through the city. And when people heard the sound, they came flocking. Now, and then they were amazed when they heard people speaking in many tongues. I personally believe, I haven't had a vision of it yet, but that first thing they heard was a, was a wall of sound, as it were, a, a new song, as it were, a, a melody or a harmony of spirit, of intention. Remember, they had intentionally spent 10 days in prayer, waiting for the, the arrival of this great promise. When we bind ourselves together in purpose and heart and intention, there is a sound that is released from this place. There's a sound that's released from you um, in your workplace. Okay? That will begin to draw people in. And then when they come, they will then meet the many tongues. They will meet someone who can help them with their finances. They'll meet someone who can help them with their marriage. They'll meet someone who, who can help them in their career or maybe help them move in house because that's actually what they needed. Okay? Sometimes we like to put the miraculous into um, things which sound extravagant. Well, if you notice with God, in all creation, he's wasteful. Uh, he's, sorry, he's extravagant without being wasteful. And even in the little things, that the uh, plant leaf, um, when I'm teaching at school and they come to me and they ask me about uh, to help them revise in biology, I have to resist the urge to just show them, look how intricately he has designed a plant leaf. Just, just a plant leaf, okay? And that's how he's approached all of creation. And it's that same unity of, of, okay, I'll take this from there and I'll take this anointing, I'll take this gift and I'll bring them together once a week to share life together. And this is it's a word in the Greek, symbiosis. Um, it talks of like a symphony, you know, an orchestra, where there are so many different instruments playing different things, but you will sit there and go, wow. And so let that be the collective response 
to the new song of unity that comes from this place. Like I said, it will be a sign and it will be a wonder when they see a bunch of people who shouldn't really bind together. There's not much we may have in common, but we speak the same language. And so living in such proximity to, an, um, yeah, this word symbiosis speaks about living in such proximity to another being that you begin to feed off each other. Okay. Um, it's what I have been going through in my time of prayer, living and, and being so close to him that I begin to feed off him. And I begin to pick things up, things I would say that I wouldn't have said last year, mentalities that I now have that I wouldn't have had um, last year. Just a quick note on the abundance um, revelation. Pastor was saying about our church being a house of abundance, house of abundance, saying it for weeks. And if I'll be honest, I didn't quite catch the revelation at first. I, was, I said amen, but like we know, we have to be intentional about it. And then there was a time I was praying and I was just, I was believing God for a particular um, purchase. And I didn't have the money at all. I didn't have, not even like, oh, I've got some savings to deposit. No, there was nothing. And he said, can you believe me for it? And I was like, yes. And he asked me about four or five times. And I was like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. And then the only way I can explain it is the Spirit of God walked in my room and stood in front of me. And he began to open his wings. Yeah, I know. I was like, it's like I, I just felt him enlarge himself. And the more he did it, I went, oh my gosh, you are massive. And he just kept going. Kept going, kept going. And I'm thinking my front room is about to explode because, you you're kind of getting all corners. Anything big, 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 big. And he said to me, he said, son, now do you understand why it hurts me when you only ask me for what you need? I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. He said, for you just to stop here when there's all of this and this and then this, and then I could even show you this part, and then when you're ready, we can talk about this part, and now do you understand why you can't, you can't stay in Matthew 6 you have to move to Matthew 7 where you begin to now speak about the things you dream of. And you can repeatedly go back to him and say, okay, let's, let's touch base again. I, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. And now it's seemingly above, and now unto him we can do it seemingly above all we may ask or think. According to the power that works, on the within, works within us. We spoke about it last week, Colossians 9, 2, 9 and 10. How we have complete fullness of the Godhead on the inside of us. And so the reason why this church is a house of abundance is because abundance is in the church. In the very fabric of our heart, as a collective heart, the abundance of heaven is here. And so for us to ask just for the minimum would be foolish. And the thing is, in his grace, he gives us that which we ask for, even though he knows there's so much more. And so just please bear that in mind when you're praying. It changes the way you pray. It changes the way you pray. When you, when you start to engage with that reality, your prayer life becomes a lot simpler. 
a lot less sweat. Okay? <laughs> Just on a practical note, a lot less sweat and screaming and striving and all that stuff. Just thank you, Jesus, because I know you can. Okay? Right, so the final thing I want to share, and I, I completely be honest, I don't know how this is going to end. Okay? Because every time I read this, he opens up something else. Dom, could you um, just put it on the screen? I wanted you guys to read this because I wanted you to see it for yourselves. So one of the things that I would do is there were these certain visions that he'd want me to document. And they all started with the words, I found him. And I'd find him in different ways, different places. Sometimes I found him in a song. Sometimes I found him literally in a vision. I'll be on a hillside or I found him in a memory. Um, different things would just release this revelation of Christ um, in, in my time of prayer. I found him walking on a beach. Exodus 33 was being opened up all around me and I saw Moses' tabernacle ahead of us. And then I was at the entrance. I felt like I was sneaking in. No one was around. I walked past the ornaments in the foreground and it was then I noticed that on the ground there were thousands of footprints in the ground. I should have written that differently. <laughs> and then I heard him say, many have tread here. What happened to them? I asked him. They're still inside. And then I was at the entrance to the inner sanctum. I entered and was met with a light hazy cloud, almost like a fog. I knew others were present, though I couldn't see them. And the cry came from within, let your glory pass before my eyes. Thank you, Father. For those of you that are unfamiliar with Exodus 33, it's a story of how Moses would take himself away from Israel and he would find himself in the tent, the tent of meeting outside the camp. And the Bible says that the cloud of his glory, of, of God's presence, would come and descend over that, that, um, that tent. One of the things I love about that chapter, um, I remember reading it for months on end when I was at university, is that it says when the people in the camp saw the cloud descend upon Moses' tent, they stood to worship. Now for every worship leader, it's great. Don't have to, didn't have to you know, strike them up with a fast song. Didn't have to G them up with a prophetic word. He literally walked into a place of communion and when other people saw that communion on him, they stood up to worship. See, we've, we know this church has been gifted with a heart and a, and a drive for worship. We know we have a role to play in the wider worship community. It's very evident. And year upon year, we see more testimony to this. But what we now need to move into is that as this light hazy cloud is before us, that as it begins to descend upon us, around worship will begin to be induced. So expect, okay, to see more and more people begin to be attracted to your life in pursuit of this worship experience that you, you're hosting. What, what is it about you? Is, you know, I don't have to, they didn't know what song he was singing. They couldn't hear him, whether he was praying, whether he was lamenting, whether he was cussing them out or, or whatever. 
you know, many times it was. All they needed to see was a cloud of his glory on his tent. And it would promote a reaction in all those that are watching. There are many people watching us as a church, many people watching you as a person. At work, your boss is watching you. Imagine, actually don't imagine, just know that as the cloud of his glory descends upon you, they will stand to worship. And so I remember this vision because I experienced it then. It's about six, seven weeks ago. And then two weeks ago when my sister was leading worship, I was standing there at one mile of own. It was an incredible time worshiping. I remember looking around because I then felt this wind. I looked at my hand and it felt the same way it felt when I walked into that cloud. Like I said in, in what I wrote, it was like a fog, but it was soothing. And even though I knew others were there and I couldn't see them, I knew where I was. And I was in the cloud of his glory. At the time that I had this vision, I, I was, um, I'd forgotten that, obviously, chosen this year is named Shekinah Glory. I'd, I wasn't aware of it at the time. and It was only on the Sunday when I got to church and I saw the leaflet and it kind of struck me that God is now beginning to bring together all the different streams. Okay, the teaching, the prophetic, those of you that are having visions, those of you that are having creative ideas, all the streams are coming together. Why? Because the cloud is descending. And so when Pastor speaks about this cloud, it's not for us to be like, okay, we'll wait. It's it's coming. It's just just know. Um, it's something I've I've stopped doing now is, is stop putting things off into the tomorrow. Because I don't have control over tomorrow. And it's easy to shirk responsibility if you leave something in tomorrow. Okay? But if I was to be bold enough to say, okay, it is now. Right? Now faith is. It is now. Then God honors that. And he begins to say, thank you. Let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you. And so now my prayer really is real simple. It's let your glory pass before my eyes. That's it. Let your glory pass before my eyes. In everything I do, everything I say, let your glory, that light, hazy cloud that I had the privilege of putting my hand into, that you began to envelope with me and warm my heart with, let it pass before my eyes today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. Lord, actually, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Another part of that scripture, the Exodus 33, I don't know what verse it is, that I used to smile at. It says that Moses would worship in the tent and then leave. And it says Joshua, the son of Nun, would stay. Now, I'm 99.5% certain that what qualified Joshua to be the one to move Israel into the promised land, to move them into that which God had promised, was the fact that he knew what it was like to dedicate himself to living in the cloud. And if we are serious about this nation turning back to God in, in the different areas that we are involved in, whether it be music like myself or 
um, yeah, in the arts and in maybe, like I said, a lawyer, doctor, whatever uh, facet of life you're involved in in this nation, let it be that you learn how to linger because I believe that is one of the qualifications that endears you to God as the one selected to turn that mountain back to God. Okay? Paul? Can we just come play for a bit? I, just want, I want to pray. Um, I want us all to pray, actually. Um, um, every so often when the cloud starts coming, my hand starts to burn, and it's burning again. So I'm just going to pray. Um, I Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for thank you for the cloud. Yeah. Jesus, we magnify you. in your own way just begin to just reach into that cloud um, I'm usually quite demonstrative with it I usually literally put my hand up and yearn for it but whichever way you need to position your heart just begin to just carve your own image into that cloud and just to find your own space in the cloud of his glory so what Jesus said in John 4 he said the time is coming, indeed it is now. And I think that is a definite with us. The cloud is coming and indeed it is here now. And it's for us to foster it and to, to guard it. The same way you'd guard a precious child. And let it grow amongst us.
voices, for songs, for opportunities, for success, even Father God, for recognition. just said these those three words he said clouds bring rain and I was like of course they do and if we are when, now that we are walking not if now that we are walking in this cloud of his glory it brings rain which refreshes our land which heals our land which restores our land restores our finances it restores um, our marriages uh, the loved ones we're believing for that for many years Father I thank you that there'll be now an ease and a grace that is applied to us Father as we begin to move in the cloud which brings rain and just even as we know with, uh, with IT clouds store things and so we thank you that your promises Father are stored in this cloud and the manifestations that we might have been waiting for for a week weeks, 10 years they are present in this cloud of your glory Father and we do eagerly anticipate the deluge of testimonies that will come forth from this congregation Father this big congregation as your glory passes before our eyes as we see your goodness as we're moved into a level of intimacy that is far beyond anything we've experienced before.
10 days ago, God asked me to write a blessing, which I'd never written before. Um, and I just want to read this over you guys, and then we can go into whatever we're going to go into after. <laughs> Even as the Father has blessed me, I now bless you. And I do declare a season of virtue and divine energy as we set about preparing the tabernacle for the arrival of our King. Everyone has a part to play. This family radiates a range of colors which speak to the glory of our Father. I release a divine rest and an easy grace over you all that even as we work, we find peace in him that restores our strength. I think this is particularly for Chosen. Every morning, your strength shall be renewed so that no one day is laid to waste through a lack of energy or stress. I declare that ministering angels are on hand to bear you up and to watch over that which you will sacrifice. As they tend to the sacrifice, there will be a moment for each of you where the fire of heaven arrives to receive the sacrifice and present you with your reward. There are doors to be opened in this season that remain open for life. Cornerstone testimonies. The ones you can return to and say, if you did it before, he's about to do it again. The blessing of Abraham will be at work in your lives so much so that everyone, everyone you come into contact with will be blessed. There will be no lack, no sickness, no strife. For every relationship will, rad- will glow in the radiance of his glory. And finally, look for the buds of spring in the wilderness, for they are the sign that heaven has met earth. Amen. So be it, Father. Father, we do receive that, Father. We thank you, Father, that heaven has met with earth. Heaven has met with earth. And we can no longer act as if it hasn't. We must set our expectations according to that which has been revealed to us. So, Father, we do take responsibility over these words and these visions as a corporate responsibility. They were never mine, Father, but... We do thank you that as a church we can gather ourselves around these things and encourage ourselves knowing that your glory is here for us to tend to, to engage with and for us to release over our city and over our nation. And we thank you, Father God, that things will never be the same again and we're okay with that. And so for those of us that may be woken up in the night, we're okay with that. Those of us that will be stirred during the day, we're okay with that. As the fire of heaven begins to visit each and every single one of our houses, Father God, we are okay with that. We say yes and amen. And we agree with your spirit that your glory is now passing before our eyes. We do lift up chosen again before you, Father. We thank you for an incredible time of encounter. Thank you for the vision that you've birthed within Pastor Julie and Pastor Rod that we run with, we engage with, and we pull on that you may be able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all they may ask or think. And so as over these coming weeks, we choose to abide in you. Even as we abide in your word, Father, and your word abides in us, we shall ask what we will, and it shall be given unto us. And Father God, even now in these last days, the goodness of the Lord shall be seen upon us. And your word says, Father God, that people will fear because of your goodness. You're so good that they will even look upon you in fear. We choose to be the congregation that walks in that goodness father we choose to be the house that you speak of in your word father when you say in the last days they shall all the mountains of the lord all the mountains of the earth shall run towards the mountain of the lord and it's because of this song you've gifted us with 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 